Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Velas. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we'll face on our journeys to glorify God. You guys, today we get to share our very first Journey Women live event that was recorded this past summer at the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference. As you'll hear, I got to sit down and chat with Jen Wilkin and Melissa Kruger about one of our favorite topics here at Journey Women, mentoring. If you missed the live, we are excited to share it with you today, and we'd also love for you to consider joining us at the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference in June of 2022. I'll be there recording another live episode with Jen Wilkin and Elizabeth Woodson on honoring God with your bank account, a topic that we have yet to touch here at Journey Women. When cancer threatened Heather Vreeland's family, she looked to scripture to keep hope alive. Heather is the founder of Hope Fuel and the creator of the Hope Planner that you've heard me talk about before. A few years ago, she used post-it notes and Bible verses to encourage her father during his chemo treatments. She stuck these reminders in his closet, by the back door, and at his bedside table, and they served to keep him close to Christ during a very trying time. So Heather turned them into a product that she now calls Scripture Stickers. Like little God winks, Hopefuel's Scripture Stickers help you hold on to a heavenly kind of hope no matter what you're battling. The stickers are about the size of an index card, beautifully designed with gold foil and easy to read print and come in a pack of 20 for $18. You can use them as a gift for a cancer patient, a sympathy gift for a grieving friend, or as a Bible verse print for a pin board. Stick them all over your house to encounter biblical encouragement for those just when you need it moments. You can buy them online at hopefuel.co. That's www.hopefuel.co and use the code HUNTER15 for 15% off your order. Now, let's get on to our very first Journey Women Live with Jen Wilkin and Melissa Kruger. Welcome, you guys. I'm so happy to have you here. It is such a joy to get to interview two mentors of mine that I have learned so much from at a distance on the topic of mentoring. So thank you guys so much for joining us. I know you know today's guests, but I'm going to do a brief introduction. Uh, Jen Wilkin does a ton of work in her local church, and she has 
Bible studies that I know many of you have enjoyed and learned so much from. She also has trade books uh, that I highly recommend. Everybody needs a little corner in their theological library for some Jen Wilkin, in my opinion. I know you all agree, and you're probably here to see her. Let's be honest. <laughs> and then I have my dear friend, Melissa Kruger, and y'all know that we wouldn't be here without her. So thank you so much, Melissa. Uh, Melissa is the director for women's content at the Gospel Coalition. Is that right? And she has many books as well. One that actually focuses on the topic of mentoring that I had the privilege of reading, endorsing, and I loved. It's called Growing Together. Hopefully you guys will pick that up uh, after today's session. And it's just such a joy to get to learn from these two women that I know we all respect and whose resources we use in many of our own kind of mentoring relationships. So thank you guys for joining me today. If you guys have listened to the Journey Women podcast, you know I'm a really big fan of defining terms so that we're all on the same page uh, in regard to what we're talking about. So, Melissa, since you've written a book on mentoring, can you define mentoring? What is mentoring? Um, the working definition I like to use, it comes from Ephesians 4, and it's just equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Um, and so I think there are two parts to that definition, equipping the saints, so you're giving them something, um, but also for the work of ministry. So there's an expectation that we equip so we serve. Um, so it's not just, I'm just going to pour in you so that you are you, but it's an equipping because I believe that that's how we actually build up Christ's body. So equipping to bless in some ways. I love that. Well, I would love to hear kind of the impact that mentoring's had on both of you guys, just in your own personal walk with the Lord. Jen, do you want to start? Man, I had, um, when at my previous church in Houston, so I've been in Dallas for about 14 years, but at my previous church in Houston, the children's minister is a woman named Pat, and um, she's still my dear friend to this day, but she was one of those women who, like, everybody wanted to get time with her, and I'm the person who, I'm always too embarrassed to talk to that person, you know, I'm always like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. Funny how that is. It's weird. And I think we all feel that way about you. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so, I finally... I don't even know how I managed to get on her radar, but, oh, I know what it was. I took a job at the church, a part-time job, and I was drowning. Desperate. And, um, and she knew things about the job, but what I really needed from her were, was just the life-on-life, life, you know, I mean, I needed the job help, but if you've ever heard me say children are people, I got that from her. Uh, and it just, you know, gosh, I'm crying about my mentor. Um, it changed my outlook on parenting from top to bottom, you know. And so I just say that example because the impact that those relationships can have on us is profound. And, um, and she, she helped with everything, you know, raising children, with um, being married and being in ministry. Um, and, and they just let, she and her husband let Jeff and me into their lives. Um, so it just, it was so shaping for us. I love that. How about you? I had two women early on who were really significant for me. Um, one was a high school teacher. I went to a large public high school and she was there and she ran a large FCA and she just used being in the public school as her platform to do ministry. And so 
she was so fun to be around that like my senior year, rather than going out to lunch with my friends, because your senior year, you were allowed to go off campus, I'd often just go up and sit in her room and chat with her during lunch. And she just, she's just one of those women who is going to tell it like it is. Um, yeah, I mean, she's just going to speak. And I love that honesty. So I love that she would be like, let me tell you, before you get up on that stage in front of all those people and lead at FCA, you need to be spending time with Jesus. Don't be a hypocrite. Yeah, I mean, she would just say it out front. But yeah, there were really good lessons that she just boldly taught. And another one is actually, I don't know if she's in the session, but she's here. Um, all through college, I was discipled by my university staff worker, Deanne, and she met with me every week over pizza, and we did we studied First Peter together. I can still remember we did a manuscript study. But some semesters, we just talked about ministry and life. And she just invested in me. And it was such a kindness. And it really fueled my heart for mentoring in the future. Mm. I love kind of the organic nature of what you're both describing. And I've experienced that as well. Um, but what is it that should be central in the way that we're going about these mentoring relationships? Well, I have a church answer, and then I have another answer. I'm ready for it. I mean, we all know that, like, the central piece should be spiritual disciplines and life on life and, and, and follow me as I follow Christ. But I do think there's actually another critical central factor to the mentorships that truly change us, and that's friendship. Um, I have, I have called Pat my friendor because it wasn't just that I needed her help. It was that we genuinely liked each other. Like, it wasn't like, ugh, I got to meet with that girl I'm mentoring again. Well, maybe she did feel that way and she just covered it up. But, but I think any older woman who has ever been asked to mentor a younger woman has felt that like sinking dread of, oh no, you know, and if the spark in there then that's probably not the person that you need to be mentoring for a lengthy period of time. Now, we can all commit to anything, you know, for a, for a, for a dedicated amount of time, but um, don't discount how much friendship plays into a successful mentoring relationship. Now you're going to make me cry because that was some of the most impactful relationships that I had in college and just people who treated me like a peer and then we learned together and yet I was learning from her the whole way through. So how does doing life together under the word of God centered around the gospel really enable us to mentor one another? Like, yes, we have these one-on-one -on -one relationships like what you're talking about, but then in a sense, we're also able to kind of mentor each other in the context of the local church in a communal kind of way. So how does that work itself out? I think one thing all mentoring is going to be based on, I'm not trying to mentor you to be Melissa. So as my life is increasingly abiding in Christ and abiding in Him, what, what does that do? When I abide in Christ, I'm now connected as a branch to all the other branches. So the more I am abiding in Christ every day and in His Word, the more I actually have to share with others. Because my goal isn't to share Melissa with others. I'm going to share the Melissa who's abiding in Jesus with others. And so that's going to naturally connect as Jen's abiding and you're abiding. We're all connected to the same vine. And so there's some sense in which that same lifeblood is going to connect us and grow us. And we know it's about him 
not about us. This isn't to check off something on our list. It's, it's kind of like these are the people you can look at and say, I'm so excited about what I see God doing in your life that I want to help grow that in you. I want to help be a part of that. I want to help foster that. And so it's an excitement about Jesus that binds us, not just an excitement. We want the friendship, but it's not about the friendship, if that makes sense. Mm. I love that so much. And you guys didn't really know this before we met in person, but I very much see you as friends, even at a distance, because I'm sitting with your materials and content. And I know many of the women feel that way about the two of you as well. And yet, you know, I would say that you're mentoring me at a distance, but the, what is the value of doing mentorship in the context of the local church? I think you can speak to that really well, Jen. Man, what a critical moment to be talking about embodied ministry after coming off of a year of COVID in which many of us have not had either the opportunity or the <clears throat> or even this, just the right pieces in place to be in person with other people. Um, and I, it's fascinating to me because there are those people, like, I mean, I would say I was mentored by R.C. Sproul. He'd probably be mortified. He'd be like, mm. uh, but... I learned a ton from that guy and, um, and he doesn't know me, you know, but then that's not the same kind of mentorship that I experienced with Pat because R.C. Sproul doesn't know me on a bad day. He doesn't know me at all. He's with the Lord, but he, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mentorship thrives in the local church because we're the family of God and these are familial relationships within the household of God. And that means, you know how family is. Everybody likes to say family is messy. Well, your mentor needs to see you on your good days and your bad days. And your mentor will probably have additional reference points for you beyond just the two of you hanging out that will inform how they are able to help you grow and mature. Um, but there's no substitute for life on life, in person, discipleship opportunities, which does not mean that at distance ones are not valuable, but they cannot carry the same weight of accountability. They're not gonna inspire you the same way. I wanted to please Pat in a way that I did not want to please R.C. Sproul. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, because she knew me and she was rooting for me as a person, so. I love that so much. I'd love to hear from both of you. Like We're talking a lot about mentoring and we're probably all thinking about women in our life. How do we even find a mentor? How do we go about that process of looking for someone to learn from? Well, I would start, well, I would start where you are in your life. So if you are a single woman in the church context, I would actually encourage you, don't only go to ministry events that have all single people in them. If you, you, know, if you say, I want to be mentored by an older woman who's 50 or something like that, go where some of them are just to get to know them. And then I would always encourage you, don't ask, will you be my mentor? Okay, that's terrifying. That is just terrifying. Um, I, would, I would say, hey, I've really noticed that when you pray, 
it seems like you are talking to God in a way that I don't even, I don't, I want to learn from you. Could we get coffee? And could I just ask you about your prayer life? Okay, that's, that's a good end. It's like a guy coming to a girl and saying, hey, you want to get married on the first date? You know, so it's easier to just start with coffee, to just start with coffee. And then let's say that goes well. And you might say, hey, could, could we do this once a month? Um, is, and and I, I'm a big believer in saying, could we do this for a year? Could we read this book together? Could, you know, if you give some parameters, it's going to help the mentor know, okay, I can commit for nine months, but I'm not sure I can commit for 20 years. So let's just, let's start with this. And that just allows, it makes it an easier yes for the mentor. Yeah, you definitely need off-ramps. You do. And then you might not avail yourself of them, but it's nice to know if we need this to terminate, it can um, and then I would just say, just uh, secret sauce for hooking a mentor as someone who, I go to a lot of coffees with a lot of people who are like, will you mentor me? If you show up for that meeting and you have a list of questions that you wanna ask, my kryptonite is, I just wanna get in your world. And I'm like, oh gosh, where's the off ramp? And so. That may just be my personality, but I do think that like the nature of the relationship may be organic, but it doesn't mean that the nature of your times together has to be organic. Um, structure is the friend of relationship. And so um, you might find if your success rate on hooking mentors is relatively low, um, to try to have come with a, with a purpose for why you wanted to meet with her. These are the things I've noticed about you. Can you help me in this area? Those are, that's where I sense, oh, this is a person I would meet with again because they're gonna honor the time that we have together and, and, and also have a start time and an end time for the meeting. I love that. I see a lot of women who are more mature in the room how do we find someone to mentor if nobody's asking us to go on that coffee date? I found myself in that situation as kind of a mid-30s person. It's like, man, I'd really love to invest in someone, uh, but I feel really awkward going and being like, hey, do you want to hang out? <laughs> uh, well, don't be creepy about it. <laughs> Again, you don't ever, you don't have to say the word mentee. You just start hanging out. Like with someone who you're further along than and you like, and then you go from there. I think we sometimes overthink at least the initial phases of it, right? I mean, it is a little like dating, you know? You're like, hmm, are you crazy or no? But also crazy people need mentors too, guys. So, um, but you, you know, what we're all doing in that moment is we are evaluating as you do at the start of any relationship. Do I think this is viable? Do I think this is something that will fit with my life um, and my current stage, all of those things? And that's okay. And sometimes the answer is no, um, but you're only gonna find out the answer is yes if you put yourself out there a little bit and, and, and see. Yeah, and I feel like it's never offensive if you're like, hey, I really wanna learn from you. Like you're not gonna go wrong. They're only gonna walk away that's right. feeling a little bit encouraged. Did you have something to add? Well, I was just going to say for an older woman who wants to invest in a younger woman, 
you might just say, hey, would you like to come to dinner with our family? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, of, a lot of younger women in the church feel completely intimidated by families, but they want to be a part of them. I think the other thing you can do is say, hey, I mean, this is what happened with one of the friends who she feels like such a friend. I hate saying I'm mentoring her, but she was younger. Um, I said, hey. You... Is it me? No. <laughs> it can be. <laughs> I, I said to her, will you... I basically, I didn't want to write the whole Bible study by myself because I was tired. And so I said, hey, do you want to help write some of the chapters of this Bible study with me? So I brought her along. Make she... them do work. <laughs> <laughs> Would anybody like to plan a conference with me? I'll be glad to be your mentor. <laughs> That's how you get friends, right? But she's actually not kidding. Like, I, I've done this. I have, I have a whole group of younger women who I have brought up behind me, like with all the teaching work and all the curriculum writing, but I made them work. I'm like, we are friends. Get to work. Uh, you know, but they loved it. They loved the work and they were eager to do it. And so it was a win on both sides, but it is actually really nice to have a shared task as what you're doing. You know, it is. Well, I was going to ask you what the value in both being mentored and mentoring is, but it sounds like uh, kind of mentor labor is what you're talking about here. Basically, yes. (laughs) Something for nothing is what the senior member of the group is always looking for. No. Do you guys have any insight into that, though? Like, we're being poured into and then we're pouring out. Like, how does that work itself out? I like the analogy, and I'm sorry to use a sporting analogy, but I really do like this. Um, Because if you just, if you had a sports team and you said, all we're ever going to do is practice, all we're going to ever do is practice, 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 the kids would soon not want to practice anymore. Because the reason you practice is because you're getting ready for the game. And then when you actually play the game, you realize, oh, I didn't do that right. And the coach is yelling from the sidelines, hey, you need to be here. You need to do this. The game teaches too. And so when we're mentoring, we need to actually bring them into ministry. So you're not, you're pouring in and then you're saying, okay, now you stand up, you, you teach this and I'm going to watch and now I'm going to give you some feedback. And that's where the growth happens. But if we're... If, or if you just put someone in and say teach without ever equipping them, you know, it's like trying to play a soccer game when you haven't played one, you haven't run any races in, you know, 10 weeks. You're going to be out there on the field wondering, why can't I do this? And so you need both. You need the equipping and helping and then the opportunities. So I think one of the best ways we grow is having the opportunity to do ministry. So letting them have that and then being there to help and say, hey, I think this would be better if you had done this. Um, But you did this great. So I think both are important. You know, I look back on so many of the women who I've had the blessing of mentoring, and I'm so embarrassed because there have been so many things that I think, oh, that was actually really unhelpful. And yet, by His grace, God really did use it. But I'd love to hear from two wiser, more experienced people who do this mentoring thing, what are some of the pitfalls that we ought to be wary of? I really wish I would have had this conversation when I was 22. Yeah, I I think you have to say, uh, you have to have an end date on that initial commitment. 
even if you really, really like that person, hey, let's try this for six months. Because um, I think probably many in this room have gotten into a situation where you're like, oh, this is not working. And because I'm maybe not the most confrontational person, I'm not sure how to make it stop. And it will sound spiritually terrible if I cut off this relationship. Or you do the slow fade, you know? Like, yeah, you ghost your mentee, right? So... <laughs> That's what the kids are saying these days, right? Uh, so you don't want to do that. You know, you want to have clear, you know, what do they say? Clarity is kindness. So you start out by a clear expectation of this is what we're going to try. Do you want to do that? Yes. So it's a little contractual, you know, to start like, yeah, let's give it a try. And if you don't do that, it can be really, really tough. And I think, um, you know, just because you're in a mentoring relationship in the early stages, think of it like any other relationship. You don't want to lead with the overshare. Give time for trust to build on both sides. Let it take the normal arc of, re- of a relationship. Just because we've defined it as an accountability space doesn't mean that you're immediately ready to start gutting yourself like a fish to somebody you hardly know. Um, but if you have more of a history with one another, that might be something that, that you're able to, the accountability piece might pick up faster. Um, but I think when we over-spiritualize or glorify it to be a special category, um, we can sometimes get into some unhealthy arrangements in the way that mentorship functions. Sort of like, oh, I can't let this girl go. Like she's totally depending on me for her spiritual nurture. And that's just, that's not true. I think one of the pitfalls is thinking, I am responsible to make her grow. An analogy I actually used in the mentoring book was that mentoring is essentially, um, I remember when I was a kid watching my dad tether a bent over tree to a much stronger oak. And so he did that. And I was like, why are you doing that? He tied the trees together. And he said, well, this older tree is going to help this younger bent over tree grow straight. And so the power of the older tree was simply that it stood beside the younger tree. It was still the water and it was still the sun that made that tree grow. So one of the best things a mentor is doing is praying for the younger tree and committing to do some of those things. But she's standing beside and she's simply saying, I've weathered a lot of storms. And so this old oak has learned how to stand in them and I'm offering those years to stand beside you, but I can't solve you, I can't change you, I can't make you grow. And I think that brings it down. And I think it's also good to recognize some people are going to need more than you can give. And it's your your life, what you may help them say is, hey, I think you actually need to go to counseling. And that's okay, you know, but sometimes you need to recognize I can be a mentor, but I'm not a professional counselor. I can't, I can't do certain things. And so even being aware that your role in their life might be to direct them to someone else other than you. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the Word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, 
Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. I know so many people in this room right now are leaders in their local churches. They're coming to be refreshed. How do you foster uh, kind of an environment and a culture of mentoring and discipleship within your local churches and your women's ministry? Well, one of the things that we're doing, and it's really just in an embryonic stage right now at my church, um, but we're excited about how it's going, is we've actually done um, really structured groups that are for a year, and it, which is not to say like, and you know, and now never talk to each other again after the year is over, but that's the commitment. And it's actually not one-on-one. It's like one on five or six, because I don't know what your church is like, but at my church, there's like one of me for every 45 of the younger women. And so it can feel overwhelming. Like how can we ever even, you know, put a dent in the, in the need? And so we're really hopeful about that. But what we also do is any small group environment that we have, um, whether it's women's Bible study or home groups or whatever it is, it's a part of the church is to try to keep top of mind for people. You know, are you thinking about forming these kinds of relationships? Because for many of us, we're just busy with life and we, we don't think about, oh, could I be investing in someone else in this way? But also, it is fair to say that there are stages in your life where you don't have the margin for this. Uh, and so that's okay too. You don't have to feel like you're a failure if you, because I also find a lot of younger women who they are like, I gotta check the box on having a mentor or I'll never grow up to be spiritually mature. You may go through long seasons in your life where you don't have this kind of a thing and you look back on the time that you did have and it's precious to you, but it's not a right or something that we demand. It's something that the Lord gives at just the right time, I think, but we can also be actively looking for who that person might be. So we, we, we are trying to do something a little more formalized because I think if it's entirely organic, it's less likely to happen at all or happen in a sustainable way. But we are not going to babysit what happens. You know, it's gonna be like, we gave you a good pattern. Um, peace be with you. And, um, and you know, either the relationships are sticky or they're not, but you wanna, we train, you know, we're training the people who are gonna be leaders. And a big piece of this in the local church, and you touched on this a little, Melissa, is to know when something is above your pay grade, okay? If women are reporting abuse to you, if they're reporting something illegal that has happened, you don't pray with them and read a scripture. You reach out for help. So you gotta keep that in mind if it's gonna be something that's happening in the local church. So that was ominous. Do you have something to lighten the mood? (laughs) Um, We actually did the same thing. We developed about, this was when I was first in my role at the church and people kept coming up to me because once I was hired, it was like, will you find me a mentor? And I was like, I, like it's, I know no one. It's not like going to the store, yeah. you know? I, mean, like it's just, I was like, oh, this is like being a matchmaker. I don't know how to do this. And so, and there were a lot of complications with it because sometimes I would be like, well, Jen, what about Hunter? And Jen would look at me and go, hmm, I don't know 
about it. And, you know, so I was just kind of, I mean, to be honest, I was like, oh, how are we going to do this? So finally. You're like the residential dating app. Exactly. The church. Yeah. Exactly. We need a mentor app. Ooh. Mentor app. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> brand. TM. <laughs> how close were they? Um, but we, what, so what we did was similar. We decided to make it one to three or four um, for some of the same reasons. And it was a year long. But one thing we did in addition was we did it by topic, not by person. So we wanted the people to think about what do I need, what do I want to grow in spiritually? And we actually didn't list the person who was going to be the mentor. And this was hugely helpful because then if no one signed up for that person's group, it wasn't like oh, no one wanted me to be their mentor. It was just no one chose that topic. And it really worked amazingly for a few years. And I'm, well, I'm just, I've stopped doing that role now, but it worked amazingly for all those years. But, and it was structured, but my goal was just to give a vision. So a lot of those women then just formed their own groups. And I was like, that's exactly what we want. But they had to see what it could be before and learn the, that this is just a culture in our church. And then it started to happen naturally. And so that was great. They said, hey, will you, they would might maybe go to the same mentor they'd had a few years ago and said, hey, there are three of us. We're in an accountability group together. Will you read through this book with us? and just help us through it. And so it worked out organically. So it, it turned into both, but we had to first give structure to it and then it could become the other. But they, you know, when there is no vision for what it can be, people don't know what to do. What does dinner time look like in your house? Is it a little chaotic and crazy like it is at mine? Let me tell you about Prep Dish and how they can help you simplify your evenings. You've probably heard us talk about prep dish in the past, and maybe you've thought, man, I just don't have time to meal prep. But let me tell you, with prep dish, meal prepping for the whole week honestly takes just about one hour with their super fast plan and about two hours for the gluten-free, paleo, and low-carb meal plans. If you need a change in how you handle dinner time at your house, you have got to try prep dish. You'll serve up delicious meals that your family will love, like green chili burgers, Caesar salmon wraps, and apricot glazed chicken thighs. Right now, the founder, Allison, is offering our listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. You can't beat that. Check out prepdish.com forward slash journey for this great deal. Again, that's prepdish.com forward slash journey for your first two weeks free. So when you look back on mentoring, like I mentioned, in, the, in like your 20s or maybe 30s, um, how did you think about it differently? Like if you could speak to yourself and just be like, no, 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 like let's do this little thing differently, what would you say? I'm going to actually take a little bit of a different angle on it <clears throat> as a ministry leader um, and as someone who is felt to be a virtual mentor I think about this differently and with greater urgency than I did 15 years ago or so um, <clears throat> because what, what a mentor in the local church needs to be is, is a church mother, is a spiritual mother in the, in the household of God. And if the women in your church are predominantly mentored by a head on a screen, my head is on screens in churches, um, then what happens if the head on the screen says something cuckoo? These women, they don't know what to do. You know, they, 
they're going to follow the head on the screen. Um, and it's not that we don't benefit. Again, like I'm putting out resources that I think are valuable to the local church, but I am not a mother to the women in your church. You are. Uh, and you, you want to be that. You want to be the reference point that they come to when someone outside of your church who has a loud voice says something that is not in alignment with what your church believes because they need to be able to have a dialogue about that. And so I would say that uh, five or 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I thought, well, this is just a nice thing to add to the mix, you know, so that people who are lonely can form friendships and so that we can have help from people who are older than us. But now watching the way that things have played out with more and more virtual learning opportunities, I would say it is critical to the health of your church that there be visible mothers in your church who younger women know they can come to and seek counsel from if someone who they've learned from at a distance uh, is, is, is saying something that is not in alignment. I love that. We always talk about how at Journey Women, we want this to be a springboard for conversation. And I imagine that you feel the same way about the books that you've written. Like, yes, use the book, gather around the book, have a book club, read it, do the Bible study, but use this to go to the word and to really like uncover what God teaches us through his word. That's the hope and the goal. Melissa, do you have anything to add to that? This one may get me in trouble. Um, but one thing I would say, <laughs> yes, she's excited. <laughs> one thing I would say that has really struck me, it's in, Ruf it's, in, it's in Romans 16. And it's when Paul is talking about Rufus's mother. And he says something like, thank her for she has been a mother to me. Um, when Jim was just talking about older mothers in the church, I do want to say it's not just for the women in the church. It's for the whole body. Um, our younger brothers need mothers. They need women who can see things and say things to them in love. And part of it's the context I'm in. Um, my husband is president of a seminary, so we have a lot of seminary students over to our home. And I feel like it's actually part of my job to mother them, to, to look at them and say, hey, Remember the women. You know, I'll say things to them like, you need to know other female students at the seminary because one day you're going to be pastoring a church that is probably more women than men in it. And so I really feel like that's part of our role too. And just, just that we want to remember the whole body that we can be mothers to and sisters to and daughters of. Um, and that's the picture. It's a family, not a corporation. The church is a family. And so to view yourself as off, also having things to offer the younger men in your church, that's okay. I'm not saying you have to meet with them every week and have coffee. They probably don't want that. But to just lovingly say, hey, I'm praying for you. And to meet, you know. But I'm actually getting old enough that I can do that yes. now. I know. Like, and I nobody's know. like, what's happening over there? I'm like, he's 12. Everybody relax. <laughs> uh, but I mean, but also, you know, if you really think about it, there are plenty of places where you could mentor a younger guy in your congregation. Not, it doesn't have to be like life on life and all the stuff we just talked about with women, but there are plenty of non-charged settings in which you could sit down and have a conversation with, with a younger guy and help him. And so many uh, men, so, so many young men either didn't have a healthy relationship with their own mother or they just don't know what it should look like, you know? And so it, I, I think it's vital if, if you have the the bandwidth and you have the access to that population to think about, are there some creative ways that I might try to help form them? I'm smiling really big because if you want to listen to Jen do that, you should listen to her podcast. 
<laughs> Those are very bad boys. They do not behave well. That's our mentoring session with them. Each week. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you guys are like my big sisters in the church. And I just, I, if you could just offer uh, kind of an exhortation to a little sister like me. I loved this piece about not just listening to people who are on the screens. Do you guys have anything else to add? I mean, if you want to grow spiritually, the spirit is always available to you if Jen Wilkin is not. <laughs> um, I'm actually not, so, by the way. <laughs> so I do, I, I, do want to, I do want to encourage you, do not leave your spiritual growth up to finding a mentor. Um, I think they are vital. I think they are wonderful to have. But I can also say I went years years once I was in the church without without one. And so sometimes what you can do is get a little bit from one person and a little bit from another person and a little bit from a book and a little bit from a podcast. And Spiritual growth is available to you. And I really mean this. The word is powerful. It is what will change you. And yes, you want to see it with flesh on it. It's a beautiful thing to have people in your life, but pursue God and he is going to put people in your life who will give you that little word here and give you that little word there. So I just, I just want to encourage you, don't wait for a mentor to start drawing near to God. He is the one you want to know. So, and he has offered you everything you need in his word. Um, and mentors are a wonderful bonus to that, but they are not necessary for that. We, we need each other, but I'm just saying, don't wait. That's a really good word. Um, I would just also add, um, when you're thinking about, oh, is this a person I want to be mentored by? Look at the health of the other relationships in their lives. Like, and just, you know, are they able to form healthy relationships? Do they have people who have known them and loved them for a long time? You know, like look for people who have intuitive relational health and ask, you know, can I get in on that? I'd like to know how that's happening for you. Uh, and that's not to say that everything is rosy in a mentor's life, but I do think it's a, it's a good indicator of spiritual wisdom when someone has um, low relational conflict insofar as it's possible for them to have it. Um, but then you also learn a great deal from people who are dealing with a lot of relational conflict that is not their fault in ways that are godly. So, but look at the look at their relationships and ask, you know, what is how is godliness forming the way that they're interacting with others? Um, and and then get close to that person, not in a creepy way, guys. Don't be creepy. But think about it. You know, we're wrapping up our time here and I would love to just kind of get a big vision for what mentoring is. Like what is the aim of our mentoring relationships? I actually think that we have a tendency to want to say, oh, that's too hard. You know, like they don't, the Bible doesn't really mean I should do X, Y, or Z. <laughs> like, no, we wouldn't say it out loud, but you know, in the back of our heads, we're thinking, well, sure, like I'm supposed to read the Bible or I'm supposed to confess sin. But, and I think what a mentor does is um, show you what it really can be like. Uh, or confess to you how it's hard for them too, and they're still laboring to follow the Lord um, as, a, as a faithful servant. And so I think, you know, you want to find authenticity, but you also want to find someone who you can look to and go, man, I want to be like that. Like I see godliness that has grown in that person, and I want to be like that. And I would have said that's not a thing. You know, like I've, I've watched my mentor walk through 
unthinkable seasons of suffering. And it's the kind of thing where I'm like, that's where you walk away from the faith, right? No, apparently not. And I need to see that. I don't know when I'm going to need that, but I will at some point. And so I think that's what we're, that's what we're looking for. I think you can also see it as just a fulfillment of the Great Commission. Um, when Jesus says, go out into all the world, and he doesn't say just make converts. He says, make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. So I think sometimes we think of the Great Commission only in terms of evangelism, but it's so much bigger than that. And so we've been called to go out into all the world, making disciples and teaching them to obey all. I mean, that's a lot, all that he commanded. So that's not going to be done just by sharing the four spiritual laws. You're not going to run out of content (laughs) on that one. You know, and so when I've been able to say, hey, this is part of the Great Commission. This is what Jesus is calling me to do. He's calling me to take the baton from someone else and pass it back on to someone else and run this race of faith and cheer them on as I'm being cheered on. It connects us to one another. It just shows the family and the body and all that imagery and just that we need each other. But in the ultimate way, this is how the kingdom comes. And this is how it goes out, by people going out and proclaiming the good news. And we can do that over coffee. You can do that by teaching 5,000 women. Um, But I do want to say this is how Jesus did it. Yes, he taught the 5,000, but he spent the majority of his time with 12. And that's where he, and then even a smaller three, he even honed in more on. And so I think we see it in his pattern of life. Yes, he did the big stuff. But the majority was spent life on life and living in that way. You know, as two people who have a lot going on kind of publicly like that, how do you protect time uh, to be investing in women in those kind of more one-on-one relationships? This is where I go back to the friendship factor. Um, We always make time for the things we care about. And um, so if you have that genuine relational connection, you're going to make time because you're looking forward to it, you know, in the same way that you make time for other things that you enjoy doing. And it doesn't mean that every mentoring relationship is just going to be sunshine and daisies, but there should be some element to that. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be gutting it out, certainly not over the course of years. Uh, and so I think that's, you know, everybody's busy, but we all give our discretionary time to the things that we love. And so if this is something you love, you'll give your time to it. And I also would just like to point out that a lot of this is personality, can be personality related. Some of you are going to be way more into this than others of you. It doesn't mean those who are not into it are exempt from weighing these kinds of things, but some of you are going to be like, give me six mentors. And some of you are going to be like, I'll do that once every 10 years. Uh, But you know, think about it, but you should love it. There should be some part of you that looks forward to it and doesn't just dread, dread the gather. You know, when I'm spending time with other women, and this is kind of a wrap-up question, um, I am really tempted to just try and copy everything they do without thinking about why it is that they do what they do and just disregard that we're in completely different life seasons, especially when we're talking about this topic of mentoring. So how do we get to the heart of the principles that inform our practice when it comes to looking at what our mentors are doing and hoping to kind of implement some of those biblical principles in our own life? Well, I think 
some of that gets to, you're looking for not necessarily what they're doing, but how they're doing it. So you might be in the stage where you didn't get any sleep last night and you were up with a you know colicky baby or whatever, and you know she's in a totally different stage. But maybe she's got teenagers and she's having to exhibit patience with them. And so you're looking to what does patience look like on her versus, oh, we're in so different stages of life. How could she understand what it feels like not to have had any sleep last night or something like that? Or what could she know about singleness because she's been married for 20 years? So the goal isn't so much that you have to have the same life or the same experience, but you're pursuing the same source you know, got Jesus to help you be more patient, to be more kind, to be more loving, to bear good fruit. And so fruit is born and we know what self-control looks like. And, and we, we may be exhibiting it in different areas, but we're still, we need life on life to see what that looks like. And so we can still meet in those places, I think. Well, thank you guys for sharing your life with us. As the little sister, I just want to say to the older women in the room, we need you. We need you. And that's reflected even in the Journey Women podcast and just seeing uh, the immense hunger for women getting to sit under the teaching and just under the wisdom of older women in the church. Thank you so much for joining us on the Journey Women podcast today. We pray this episode encourages you to ask the Lord to give you eyes to see women in your local context who might be able to come alongside you or who you might be able to come alongside and encourage them to know and love God more. If you enjoyed this conversation, we hope that you'll join us as we jump back into our current series, Knowing and Loving God. The topics and the guests that we've invited to join us will encourage you to dig into the word and stir your heart's affection for Jesus. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you want access to scripture references or resources from this conversation with Jen and Melissa, you can find them over on our website at journeywomenpodcast.com. You can also find us on socials throughout the week at journeywomenpodcast. This episode was edited and sound designed by the team at Sound On Studios. You can find out more about their work at soundonsoundoff.com. We are so grateful for them and for you. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. We can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.